Brothers and sisters in Christ, junk happens to everyone. Good things happen to everyone. Sometimes the same junk and the same good things happen to different people, but they don't handle it in exactly the same way. They perceive what's going on in their world and what's happening to them in in very different ways. Have you noticed this? So now make it personal. How do you perceive your world? What filters are you seeing it through? What is your general mindset? And maybe even more telling, what do you think someone who knows you best would say when asked to describe your general mindset? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Or or maybe you call it being a, a realist. Are you hopeful or cynical, passionate, compassionate? Who are you? How would they describe you, and and, and would it agree? Today, God's word that we'll be looking at is the section from Romans, so the second reading. It's in the bulletin there. If you want to have it open, I'll I'll be referring to it a few times. And, And in this section, God's word discusses our mindset. And it really boils all the the different variations of mindset down to two camps, either life or death. Are you living a a life lifestyle, a life mindset, or do you prefer to dance with death? Our text starts reminding us of some facts that should make that decision a, a pretty easy one. Paul tells us to to live a life mindset because, he says, we have the Spirit. And he gives some proof for that. He says that that, that's proven by the fact that that you can say Jesus is Lord. Remember there's that passage in Corinthians that says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And and I asked Pastor Tim, and he told me that uh, every month you guys speak the Nicene Creed and worship here together. So that means you say out loud in front of everyone else, we believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. And I have no reason to believe that he's fibbing to me or that you would gather together to, to lie to one another. So I can confidently say, you have the Spirit. And Paul makes that very lock-solid, cause-effect argument. Well, then that means that, that you have life. So live a life lifestyle. And then, verse 11 makes this connection. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. So because you have faith, because you have the spirit, that means that you will rise from the dead just like Jesus did. Just like Lazarus did in the gospel lesson, just like that woman's son did in the Old Testament reading, you have life coming. So live a life lifestyle. Live with a a life mindset. Dancing with death makes no sense. Let me give you a visual, and I'm going to warn you, it's a little bit disturbing. Actually, it's a lot disturbing. In, in In my ancient history, I remember watching a TV show. Big surprise, right? I don't even remember what TV show it was, but I remember the episode. I remember what happened in it because it was just that 
disturbing. And so this last week, I Googled it to figure out what show it actually was. And I'm not positive, but I think I found it, that it's an, an episode of X-Files. Anyone remember that show? It was pretty big in its day, right? I mean, it was one of those shows that went right to syndication. So, so any time of day and night, as you were waiting for your once a week when you had to watch TV at a certain time, remember that? Uh, when you were waiting for that, you could watch one of the reruns just about any time, except for this one. If I'm right, and this was the episode that, that I was thinking of, the networks refused to air it after its original airing because it was so disturbing. They, they brought it back once, three years later, for Halloween. So here's the storyline. And again, p- apologies to any X-Files fanatics because I may get a detail or two wrong because this is my 20-year-old memory. You got the, the investigators, the agents, investigating the, the case of these mass murderers. It's, it's a, a pair of mass murdering brothers. And the show flashes back and forth between the, the agents doing their investigation and the brothers at home going about their business. Problem is, their business is killing people and preserving their bodies and dressing them up and staging them in scenes around their house. So the, these brothers would go from having a conversation with these corpses in the living room to to eating at a dining room table with the the, the dead bodies, even dancing with death. I told you it was disturbing. I'm sorry, but that's just gross, right? There's something wrong about that, and we get that, right? We understand that death isn't something that, that, that you hang on to like that, right? I mean, you might be some amazing pet lovers, but anyone who loves their pet knows that you don't get to keep it after it's dead. Even nature gets it, right? You know, the snake slithers out of its, its skin, it sheds the skin, and it doesn't try to crawl back in because it, it got rid of it for a reason, to get rid of all those parasites that were on it. The, the lobster crawls out of its shell and doesn't try to, to squeeze back in because it had to leave it so that it could grow. It makes absolutely no sense to try to hang on to So why do we do it, Paul asks. In verse 12, Paul compares the two mindsets, right? Living for for life or or dancing with death. And he says we have an obligation to one of them, and it's not the death one. And then he says this in verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You see his point? If, If we're living for the things of of the flesh, of this body, of this life, if we're living like these things are the most important, well, then we're actually living for something that dies, that wears out, that that, that is gone. We're living for death. So, So what are these things that we'd be living for? Well, certainly... Anything that in and of itself would be considered sin, right? The, the, the lust, the greed, the anger, the lies, the slander, all of that. But then also even things that would be considered good, not in and of themselves sin, blessings from God, if we are living for them. Like, like that is the result of it. We're living for something that dies. Because those things wear out. In our last verse, we see even creation itself can't wait for this time of death to be done so that we can get on with with the life. So even good things of this life, if they are prioritized wrong, 
our death. And you've seen that, right? When the wonderful activities that, that God allows you to be a part of start to take over the schedule, and suddenly you're not making time for your daily devotion or, or worship and Bible study attendance gets sporadic. When the, the gift of money that God gives starts becoming so important that well, we don't always remember God's will for our use of it. Or, or our offerings for God's work become not so much first fruits and trusting, but more what's left or what's convenient. Even when your love for your significant other or even your child gets you to compromise God's standard of right and wrong and, and you start to excuse sin or even downright live in it because, well, everyone else in the world is doing it. Martin Luther wrote a commentary on this section of Romans and in it he talked about a builder. He said, imagine a, a very skilled builder who... who Wonderful craftsmanship. And he decided to build a house, but he never looked at the blueprint. He never really had a plan. He just, he just started, he was hired to build this house, and he's building, but he's never thinking about what it's going to end up. And he is doing a great job with every last cut and corner and, and joint and joist, that beautiful craftsmanship, but without ever thinking of, of the ultimate plan, doesn't matter how pretty the corners are. You're not going to have what you've you planned for, what you had hoped for, and that carpenter is an absolute fool. So apply that. If we are living for the things here and now without that life mindset, without that eternity mindset, without remembering what it's all going towards, well, we're that builder. And we're living with that, that death mindset. So don't do that. Don't dance with death. Remember, that's gross. Not even worth TV airtime. Don't be the snake trying to get back into its skin. Instead, Paul says, live a life mindset. He said, put to death the misdeeds of the body. And then as you, as you scroll through the verses there, you, you see how it looks. Verse 15, living that life mindset is not living in fear. It's living with that beautiful relationship with God that gets to call him Father, Dad. Verse 17, it's, it's remembering who we are. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We have everything that he earned coming. Because he suffered and we are connected with him, we get the benefit of, of the price that he paid. We have life. And then look at verse 18. Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I read this verse last week at the kitchen table of a man who had just found out that he was going to have to bury his son, his only son, his 22-year-old son found dead in his bed. Do not misunderstand this verse. It does not say that our present sufferings are easy. The next day I read this verse with a lady who was about to go in for open heart surgery. That is not a little thing. And in the week on the couch of a woman who had just checked herself out of the hospital having determined not to pursue any further medical treatment 
I read this verse. Nothing in this verse says that our present sufferings are small. You've probably done it already, but if you haven't, it won't take you long to fill in the blank of what your present sufferings are. But I can assure you that none of them are insignificant. There is nothing in this verse that minimizes the pain of living in this world where death reigns. Death hurts. Loss stings. The unknown scares us. You know that. Your present sufferings are bigger than I or really anyone else can fully understand. We have reason to to cry out to our Father, like this text says. But understand what that means. Your sufferings are big. But that just means that the glory that you have coming, the life that is yours, is bigger than that. Is exponentially bigger than that. Is not even worth comparing bigger than that. So if you think your sufferings are something to talk about now, when you see that glory, when you inherit that life, you won't even remember. When, when you're in that life, the former things will pass away. You'll be living a life mindset. So how much more doesn't it make sense to, to start thinking about that life now? Because it's yours. With that focus, you can handle anything death tries to throw at you. Really. So go back through the the certainty that Paul lays out here. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? Yes? Well, then that means that you have the Spirit of God living in you. Do you have the Spirit of God living in you? Yes, well, then that means that you are God's children. Heirs of everything he gives. Heirs of everything Jesus won. The, the, the power, the rule, the authority, the eternity, the life. Are you heirs of eternal life? That means that the suffering you have here is not what defines you. have heaven. You have life. So don't dance with death. Live a life mindset in Christ. Amen. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus.